Merry Christmas. <laughs> There's no better place to be on Christmas than with God's people worshiping the Lord as we reflect on the greatest gift that we've ever been given. As we turn to the word, can we take a moment to bow in prayer? Father, we rejoice this morning with one another at the birth of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. We declare together he was born in order to die, in order to provide a gift of salvation to every single one of us. Father, as we reflect on this amazing gift, on this incredible message, we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive the joy of the Lord that comes with this message and that we would give you the proper worship, do your name in response to it. Lord, as we have time to open up your word for just a few moments, we pray that you would guide us uh, and direct us in it. Lord, allow your word to be like a seed that's planted that bears fruit unto righteousness. What we know not teach us, what we have not give us, who we are not in Christ, we pray that you would make us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a few years ago, I received an anonymous gift. It was actually a, a bag of M&Ms. There was no name attached to it, but there was a message attached to it. And this is what the message read, the M&M Christmas story. As you hold these candies in your hand and turn them, you will see the M becomes a W, you know, you flip it around, an E and then a three. They tell the Christmas story, I'm sure it's one you know. It took place in a stable a long, long time ago. The E is for the east, where the star shone so bright. The M is for the manger, where the baby slept at night. The three is for the wise men, bearing gifts with which they came. W is for worship. Hallelujah, praise his name. So as you eat these candies or share them with a friend, Remember the meaning of Christmas, it's a love that never ends. On this Christmas day, I wanted to conclude the Christmas story because we've been telling the Christmas story as we have been anticipating Christmas Day. And I want to conclude the Christmas story from the perspective of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, I'd like us to consider together, what do we learn about the wise men? And who were these wise men that we read about? Because often we have our idea of wise men or, or different parts of the Christmas story from carols and Christmas cards, and they can sometimes lead us astray, especially when it comes to the wise men. So who were the wise men and what do we learn from them? As is a tradition at Twin Rivers, would you stand in honor of the reading of the word? I'll be in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we'll be reading to verse 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came from Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, and thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. 
And when you have found him, bring him back, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood out where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. The word of the Lord, y'all may be seated together on this wonderful Christmas day. Who were the wise men? And what do we learn from them on this Christmas day? As we walk through our text, we're going to see a few things. But first thing we learn about them is they were those who were seeking Jesus. In verse 1, we get to begin to see the circumstances that surrounded their visit. We see the timing of their visit. Their timing followed the birth of Jesus. Uh, Now, we have a tendency to to have nativity scenes, and they kind of lead us astray a bit. Because when the wise men found Jesus, he was no longer a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Rather, according to verse 9 of our text, Jesus was now a child. And then in verse 11, he is found in the house with Mary. In verse 16, we're going to learn that Herod, he sets forth a decree, learning that when the Christ child first first was born by the star, according to the wise men, and he says, put to death all of the children two years and younger. So Jesus, by the time the wise men reach him, is anywhere between one and two years old, and that's when they finally arrive to see Jesus. We don't just see the timing of their visit, we also get to see their travels. Verse 1, the word behold shows up. If you were with us last night, whenever we see the word behold, it's an invitation to step into the shoes of those who were there. To step into the shoes of the residents of those in Jerusalem. And the text in verse 1 says, behold, behold, wise men are coming from the east. But what set these wise men apart was not necessarily how they looked was not necessarily what skin color they had, what they, were, what they were bringing with them, but what set them apart, according to our text, is that they were looking for one who was called the king of the Jews. And they said, where is he? So that we might come and worship him. They saw the star. They were students of the stars. Perhaps they were spiritual advisors of sorts. You know, we sing the song, we three kings of Orient are. They're not, we don't know necessarily if they were kings. They probably weren't. Just maybe spiritual advisors who studied the stars and had some knowledge of the truth of who, uh, where the star would appear. And so they're looking for Jesus. So we see their travels. Behold, the wise men are in Jerusalem and they're asking Questions. Their response is worship. We want to come and we want to worship Jesus. And then in verse 3, while their response to the star is worship, the response of Herod the king is worry. In verse 3, we learn that Herod, he hears about these questions going around. Where is the king of the Jews? And you know why Herod was a bit troubled? It's because Herod called himself the king of the Jews. Anybody else who claimed to be king of the Jews or the announcement of the birth of the king of the Jews was a threat. And so he's troubled, he's worried. And have you heard that saying, when mama's not happy, nobody's happy? The same is true of Herod. If Herod ain't happy, nobody's 
happy. And in verse three, we see Herod's troubled and so is everyone else. Herod, he responds, he says, I need to find out more. He calls on his spiritual advisors. He calls on the religious leaders of the day, the chief priests and the scribes, and he calls them to him. And they say, he says, where is the Christ child to be born? And they quote Micah 5, 2, verse 6 says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. And then it says, Herod, he brought the wise men to himself and he said, I want you guys to go ahead and find this Christ child. And he said, the reason I want you to go out and find him is in order that I might worship him. But Herod was not interested in worshiping the Lord Jesus. He was interested in killing the Lord Jesus because in verse 16, he puts out this decree. We're gonna kill all the children to and under because he doesn't want anyone to threaten his so who are these wise men? What do we learn about them? These wise men were those who were seeking after Jesus. And how does that relate to us? Well, we're reminded wise men still seek him. Wise men still seek him out. The wise men said our desire and our purpose is to go and find Jesus. In the first eight verses, there are three examples Two examples to avoid, one example to follow. On this Christmas day, I want you to follow the right example. Avoid the wrong ones. The first example that we saw was actually the religious leader, the chief priests and the scribes. The chief priests and the scribes, they are called by Herod and they, and they, they are asked, when is, where is this Christ child to be born? What does the prophecy say about him? And they say it's in Bethlehem. And what's their response? They don't really do nothing. Do they go and follow the wise men and say, hey, if, if he's been born, we want to find him. The chief priests and scribes, all they do is answer Herod, and then they go about their business. I would suggest that's a response and an example not to follow. That's an example of indifference and apathy. This morning, it's Christmas Day. And I want to suggest to you that you cannot respond to the birth of Jesus Christ with indifference and apathy and then enter into the new year and say, well, we celebrated Christmas, that's that. Jesus Christ is Lord, and how are you going to respond to him? Because how you treat Jesus on this side of eternity determines where you will spend eternity. Don't walk away from Christmas morning indifferent about who Jesus is. Is he the king? Is he Lord? Is he savior? Or is he not? Avoid the example of the religious leaders. Avoid the example of Herod. When he hears the announcement of the birth of the Savior in fulfillment to Scripture and the prophecies thereof, his response is not worship. His response is worry. There are some who get worried about who Jesus is, and the reason is he's a threat to their freedoms. You ever talk to folks, you know? People will come and chat with you and they'll say, can I talk to you about Jesus a little bit? And they say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Get that religious stuff away from me. And the reason is because uh, you guys aren't free. <laughs> I wanna be free to do whatever I want and for you to talk about Jesus who is Lord, you're saying that I have to submit to his reign and rule? I want nothing to do with that. And some people get a little bit worried when you're talking about Jesus. They like the idea that he's savior. It's a hard thing to submit to him as Lord. But even as Christians, even as believers, sometimes we find ourselves getting a little bit worried. And the reason is Jesus doesn't just want 90% of your heart. 
96% of your mind. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of your life. He wants you to commit your whole self to him. You know, this Christmas, it's, uh, I get to say Merry Christmas to my wife. It's a special thing. Can you imagine as we enter into the new year, I tell her, honey, as we say Merry Christmas to one another and we enter into the new year, honey, you have 90% of my heart. 10% is off somewhere else. We're reminded God wants all of us. He wants us to give us his whole heart, his, our whole lives, our whole mindset, our whole purpose. It belongs to him. The example to follow is that of the wise men. The wise men still seek him. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you among those who are wise? Are you seeking after Jesus? The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Seek him out and you will find him. If you're an unbeliever today, if you're a seeker, continue to consider the truths of scripture and the Christmas story and see your need for Christ. Admit your need for him, receive him into your life and say, Jesus, I know the reason you were born was to die on a cross to forgive my sins and to grant me everlasting life. Wise men still seek him. May we follow the example of the wise men. Secondly, we see in our text, wise men don't just seek him. Wise men rejoice when they find him. As we continue to read in verses 9 to 10, it says, when they heard the king, they departed. And then listen to the word again, behold. Now you get to step into the shoes of the wise men. As they have talked to Herod, and they've maybe been given some resources, Herod says, come back once you find him. I want to worship him as well. They go out there, and what resources bring them to the Christ child? The star provided by God. And behold, they see the star that's going to lead them to the Christ child. And what's their response? Exceedingly great joy. Uh, this morning, I mean, we sang some songs. I hope you didn't just have some joy. I hope you had some exceedingly great joy. I mean, as we got to watch our kids sing today, uh, all, it's all about that baby, right? It's not, all these other things, you know, it, they get in the way sometimes of what the true reason for the season is all about. It's all about Christ. It's all about that baby. And we're reminded it just fills our heart with joy that is overflowing. My prayer is that we can share that joy together. How do you rejoice this Christmas? We rejoice in community. Oh, what a blessing it is to worship this morning. Pastor Greg had mentioned the next time we're going to celebrate Christmas on a Sunday is 2033. I mean, that's a long time from now. What a blessing today to come together to worship in the community of saints. Listen, we don't just worship and celebrate with great joy on Christmas Day. We celebrate all throughout the year. Come back next Sunday because we're going to be continuing to rejoice that our God is a reigning God. He lives forevermore, and we have a reason to sing. We have a reason to shout. So rejoice with one another, but secondly, rejoice in Song. Song is one of those unique ways we, we get to praise the Lord. And the reason we sing is because our hearts are stirred unto worship. We're not just singing because we like the sound of our own voice. Some of you have heard the sound of your own voice, you know. But the reason we're singing is because it's lifted up to God as a sweet aroma. Sweet aroma that he finds pleasing. Wise men still rejoice in him. Wise men still seek him. And then thirdly, wise men still worship him. 
As we conclude our text in verse 11, it says, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary, his mother. And what did they do? They fell down and worshipped. Mary, she had already been told who this Jesus was. It was a miraculous birth. She was a virgin, and she gave birth to this child. And, and when the shepherds came, she was in awe and wonder at what they had to say. This is Jesus Christ, the Savior, who is the Lord. And now these wise men come in. And they bow down and they worship him. What a sight to be seen. And then it says in verse 12, as it wraps up, that being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Church, this morning on this Christmas day, we are invited to follow the example of the wise men by seeking him, by rejoicing in him, and then thirdly, by worshiping him. Our whole lives are about worship. And I tell you, you can't fully worship him until you're in a right standing with him. And that is the invitation of Christmas to receive the gift of eternal life by trusting in Christ who was born in a manger who came to die on a cross. The reason he lived a perfect life was in order to die a substitutionary death and to take your place and my place on that cross. If I can give you two more takeaways, it would be this. Every single one of us received that message today. As you receive that message, I pray that as you leave this place, next Sunday is New Year's Day. And as you enter into the new year, may you commit to share that message with as many people as possible and make this the year that you lead others to Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. Father in heaven, we rejoice that today is Christmas. It's the day we celebrate the greatest gift that has ever been given, the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Father, if there's someone here today who wants to receive this gift, who's never fully understood the story of Christmas, the reason Jesus came to be born in a manger was in order to die on the cross for our sins to forgive them. I pray that they can make this the day of salvation. Father, as I pray this, I pray that they can pray. Father, I recognize I am a sinner. Being a sinner simply means that, Lord, I've disobeyed you. And the reason I've disobeyed you is because I've been born into this word world with a heart that is not bent towards obedience but rebellion. Today, I understand that, 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 that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God that he was sent from heaven to earth to die on the cross for my sins. Today I make Jesus my savior. I make him my Lord, the one I will follow all the days of my life. Father, help us as a church continue to follow the example of the wise men and seek after Jesus, rejoice in Jesus, and worship Jesus. Father, we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. May we take this message and declare it to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.